Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and once the dying starts, this little psycho fuck family is going to rip <laughs> itself apart. Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and it's amazing how you can do without the necessities of life, provided you have the little luxuries. Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Asymmetric alliances. And rehabilitative justice. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about Pitch Black, which just left Netflix. Yes. Like literally, I think as we're recording today. Yeah, it, this today was the first day on Netflix without Riddick. Uh, sorry, hold on. As, as it's celebrated in some cultures, today sorry. is the first day. Today, without- is, today is the first day on Netflix <laughs> without, without Pitch Black. Today. It is available on Peacock, I believe. It's available a few different places because yeah. I am going to watch Chronicles of Riddick tonight and I'm going to watch the Ooh. extended version. So I was going to oh. watch it on Amazon anyway. Oh, Anna. Yeah, props to Carrie on the Discord for saying it's really worth it to watch the, the extra version. Mm-hmm. I have not seen or I don't think I've seen Chronicles of Riddick. Maybe we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. after I watch it yes. for sure. <laughs> And then after that, of course, we will be doing Riddick. So we're doing yes. all, we're doing the entire Riddick trilogy because it is, Anna, what is it? Ridiculously hot sci-fi <laughs> summer. <laughs> that is yes. such a lovely literal theme for us. Like it's the, <laughs> it's so fucking literal because it is ridiculously hot. And then yeah. it's Riddick. Yeah. I, did I need to explain that? Did I ever explain that, Jan? <laughs> Yes, but that's okay. You know, I'm so pleased with it. Yes. Speaking of over explaining, if you're listening to this, you might already be a patron. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't, we would love you to be a patron. We would really, really appreciate it. You get benefits with becoming a patron if you go to patreon.com slash space the nation. You get access to our episodes early. And you do get a form of swag for sure. You get like a shirt. And like a mug with our logo on it after you've been a member for a certain amount of time that just like Patreon fulfills that. You didn't know that, Dan, did you? My mind is blown by this, Anna. I had no idea that was the case. Wow. So there is swag. Okay. It's the swag that's like the special swag that is I'm on the eternal search for and that has now become something of a joke. Mm -hmm. I really do want to make it. We have several t-shirt designs that could happen. (laughs) And I want to wear one of these t-shirts on. I mean, you know. I could put you in charge of finding someone to print them, Dan. Oh, How about God. that? Oh, no. Yeah, see? No, I'm bad see? at that. I'm bad at but that. Dan, what is the best reason to become a patron? The best reason to become a patron, Anna, is because it gives you access to our Discord. And, you know, the folks on the Discord are pretty awesome. It's a diverse group of people in terms of professions, in terms of backgrounds. They like sci-fi. They like poli-sci. They like, you know, asking us questions about the various episodes we talk about, about the various sci-fi content. We occasionally listen to them and occasionally do something that they suggest. We don't always like it, but we do occasionally do it. <laughs> I think their record is about as good as Obama. That's <laughs> <laughs> And also, by the way, if we get to 250 patrons, we are going to do an episode that is patron only on a topic chosen by the patrons. Doesn't even have to be sci-fi. Yeah, this time we've we've just opened it up. We're anything. anything. As long as it's not a TV show or a video game. Yes. You could force us to watch another Vin Diesel like product. We could do Triple X. We could do a Fast and Furious movie. Although those are veering towards sci-fi at this point. But like, you know, yeah, whatever. We could do Showa. (laughs) honestly i was like trying to think of those the name of the director that does that red and blue i was just trying to think of super long movies oh yeah yeah yeah. oh it's a long polish name right yeah 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 but or something yeah yeah the first one that came to mind was showing that would be there is ir that's pain (laughs) that would be so much pain on i don't mean to like i don't mean to laugh i'm so sorry i don't mean to laugh actually i do mean to laugh but I don't mean offense. I get that. Huh? All right. Yes. You know, besides becoming a patron, Dan, if someone wanted to get in touch with us, how would they do that? There's a variety of things you could do. First of all, please do, you know, rate the show. You can do that. Tell your mm-hmm. friends and neighbors. To contact us, you can always reach us via social media. If you are on Blue Sky, you can contact us that way. I am at Dan Dresner. She is at Anna Marie Cox. We are also doing other things. I have a Substack 
called Dresner's World, where I occasionally write about foreign policy. I occasionally write about Taylor Swift. So, you know, there's a lot of different things going on there. You run the gamut. You encompass encompass multitudes, Dan. Well, what I did was write about the foreign policy of Taylor Swift. So that was a lot of fun, actually. You know, but... Anna has a website. I believe it's called www.annamariecox.com. <laughs> and uh, she yes. is also on Instagram. I am actually on threads because I'm trying that new one out. I know. For your sins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan, you've been wanting to do the Riddick trilogy for a long time. I have. Why? Yes. Why? I think because, first of all, it's like so tailor-made. For hot sci-fi summer. I mean, this, these are not, you know, how, these are classic B movies. And also, as we will discover, the Riddick trilogy is a truly bizarre combination of films because we're going to talk about Pitch Black. Pitch Black is like kind of a, a sort of low budget, like surprising film. Like it, I, I think it's, it's done far better than anyone would have expected. The Chronicles of Riddick is pretty much the opposite of that, as we're going to discover <laughs> next week. And then with Riddick, the third one, it takes this weird turn. Like it goes back in some ways to, you'll see, in terms of Pitch Black, it sort of goes back to its roots. There is also, by the way, supposed to be a fourth film called Riddick Furia, if it ever gets made, because everyone's on the Riddick Fast and Furia? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And... <laughs> You know, so so this seemed like a natural fit for, you know, both Hot Sci-Fi Summer and Space the Nation. Anna, I don't think you protested all that much when I suggested this, however. No, I I love this movie. For me, it has a similar space to Event Horizon. Mm. It is it hits a sweet spot for me, which is space horror that's not too gory. Right. Or too scary. That sounds weird. I mean, this is can be pretty scary and tense, but I yeah. I prefer tension to like jump scares. Right. Like you're not seeing scary- viscera or like it, I mean, right. there's a little bit of blood in this film, but it's pretty it's pretty right. tame by that standard. Yeah. So like it, it it just great. And also, I will say, Event Horizon obviously has that one scene that is yeah, Event Horizon so over the worse. top gory yeah. <laughs> that like it's hard to take seriously. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But it's mainly sort of, this is a very tense movie and I actually, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it and I Mm -hmm. found myself, even though I know it very well, the tension still works, I think. So it's interesting. I, you know, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and, and also there are some legitimately, you know, it, particularly in this one, there are some legitimately surprising plot choices and and Mm -hmm. plot twists. The film starts out in a very interesting space and then, Things end in a very different space, which actually brings us to will this podcast ruin it for you? And yeah, it could. There are definitely some plot twists that you will want to learn on your own rather than than hear from us. So I would strongly recommend watching the film before you listen to this podcast. It's not long, I don't no. think. No. It, it moves really fast. I actually all three don't remember. Of these, all three of these films, props, I think they're under two hours or like yeah. barely over two hours. These, this is, there's not a lot of... The, the Chronicles of Riddick has a lot of bloat, actually, but like, even, but at least length is not one of those things. Well, the Chronicles of Riddick, I actually know because I'm gonna because I looked at the yeah. a director's cut and it's uh, two hours and fourteen minutes. Okay, but yeah. still compared to a Marvel movie, which I guess is the standard these days, right? And that's a director's <laughs> cut. Look, I just yeah. I just watched the Mission Impossible film, which I think was like two two forty five. And it, how did this ha- how did this happen? Like. Movies, remember when movies were about two hours? Like, that's yeah, how you would budget your time for an hour. Film. Like, right, exactly. we're going to go see a movie. When you would be done? About yeah. two hours. And, and furthermore, like, let me just say here. Now it's like a four hour. It's like a four hour trip. If there's a film a that is like 90 minutes, I admire that film automatically. Because it's like, you're yeah. telling a good a short story. I like this. This is how it should be done. And that's what these films are, I would say. And also, I want to point out that people die and people who you don't think will die, die. Mm-hmm. People who traditionally don't die, die. Mm-hmm. Good point. Previous experience, Dan? I think this was a DVD rental when like it first came out. Because it came out, I think it was a 2000, I want to say. Yep. Yeah. And I remember, again, like it was one of sort of one of those pleasant surprises. Like I didn't watch it in the theater. I had no expectations going into it. And I was like, this is an interesting film. I wasn't expecting to be like as entertained as I was. And, you know, remember really liking it. What about you, Anna? I was dating my first husband. Oh. And I... I don't think we saw it in a theater, but I remember it was one of the reasons like I 
kind of fell in love with him. Kind of for real, because it just it is that kind of movie that it's hard. It's a very specific kind of movie, right? Right. That appeals to Anna. And (laughs) it was this is one of those movies. I also like movies with talking animals. That is the other kind of movie that I know that I love. Interesting. So. I did not have, okay. Talking animals, like not like for kids cartoons, talking animals, like. Oh, so like Rocket Raccoon we mean or like. Yes. You, okay. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. You know, and usually if it's a, it's an animal is talking in a movie, but it's not like a cartoon animal. That's pretty good. Like I like Homeward Bound, hmm. you know. Okay. Talking animals. Talking Anna, animals are just a real. Just a, you know. just a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tease this. I, you might like the third Riddick film. Oh, it's, they're talking animals. They don't talk exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to oversell, but, but there's an animal that I think you're gonna like. Let's put it that way. Maybe one of the reasons I love terraformers so much. Yeah, there you go. That's true. That's true. All right, let's get to the story behind the story. Anna, tell us about David Twahi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he is the Riddick impresario, I believe. And I mean, he's known for other things, right? Yeah, this this is is, not just this. this. Yeah, this is his thing, though. This is his meal ticket. (laughs) When it was made, he was very unknown, although he'd worked on a couple things that we would recognize. Yeah, it's weird that he was that unknown because, like, he's done some big stuff before. But he was just a writer. He wasn't. He was not making a living, according to him. He was, you know, not totally. I mean, he was just like a touch-up writer, basically. Uh, I think. But like he, I mean, he had to his credit, like he'd done, he, he was on credits for like the fugitive and GI Jane. So yes, he was credited on the fugitive and GI Jane and also alien three and water world. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll look past the water world. So story. maybe that's why he was there we go. Yes. raking it in. His version of the story is that he, he just wanted to get this made because he needed to kind of get his career like really going, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why it wasn't pitched as a series it wasn't pitched as a franchise it was just like let's get this done it was relatively low budget i guess at 25 million Mm -hmm. the actors in it not super famous still i mean vin diesel obviously is now vin diesel but the other actors were very competent Mm -hmm. and well known but not necessarily superstars keith david there should be like it's like the harry dean stanton role with keith david like if keith david's in a movie it's going to be redeemable there is going to be something about it that's good. <laughs> what I would like to point out, so apparently the studio came to Twahi, which I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. And it was a script called Nightmare, I think. Night World, okay. Nightmare. It was written by Jim and Ken Wheat. Who, Dan, who's their, their previous experience, Dan, included? The yes. Fly 2, one of the Ooh. Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, and... Not promising. And the Ewok movie, the Battle of Indoor. (laughs) Which you you originally thought Andor was about. Just to be clear, just so all the listeners know this. When I watched the trailer for Andor, Mm -hmm. I I kept thinking to myself, where are the Ewoks? If only you'd known that the wheats weren't involved in the making of animals. That's right. One of the talking animal situations that I love so much. Ewoks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are bad movies with talking animals. I'm just saying like I have a soft spot for movies with talking animals. Okay. So Tuahi was approached with this script and he, it was very much based on aliens. It's still, I'd like to talk about how it is and isn't like alien. Mm Mm-hmm. Alien, not aliens. He's the one who kind of like forged the character arcs that are make one of the reasons this movie is good. Yeah. Right. Like they're twisty. They're not arcs. They're like twisty things. It's like right. a character spiral. Mm-hmm. And he also is the one who did the casting. And I want to remind you, Dan, maybe you don't remember. I was reminded as I was doing research for this, Vin Diesel used to be an indie actor. Do you remember sure. this? Yeah. Like, he no, was, I mean, he was in uh, Boiler Room, which I love. He was great in that. Um, right. He was in Boiler Room. He was in Saving Private Ryan. Of course. Yeah, he yeah. His short film premiered at Cannes or was selected for Cannes. Huh, okay. It was a short film about being a multiracial actor in Hollywood and how huh. hard it is to get roles. And he was in a, like a couple other things that were pretty mm-hmm. earnest, yeah. <laughs> non-action movies. Right. And, and 
this is the movie that made him Vin Diesel. Hmm. This is the movie that made Vin Diesel Vin Diesel, the Vin Diesel that we know huh. and sometimes mock today. It's this, funny because you you would think it was Fast the, and Furious. It was pre Fast and Furious. You're right. Yes, that's right. We, this came out I think the year before the Fast and the Furious. That's correct. I would argue that this made him kind of like the character that he tends to play all the time now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the 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 guy who you think is going to be a bad guy but turns out to be a good guy, mm. right? And and this is a movie where his body really is one of the things that defines the character. He's pretty ripped in this film. Yeah. 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 And and he's threatening, but then winds up, you know, again, Protecting. being a good guy. Yeah. And when I also say it made him Vin Diesel, the Vin Diesel we know, is that he's kind of notorious for not wanting his characters to be bad guys and for his characters wanting to be, win in everything that they're in. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think this is the movie that kind of set that up because previous movies, he's not always the main character. He's not always the winner. He sometimes right. gets, you know, beat up on or whatever. So Vin Diesel became Vin Diesel. And also, Dan, find you someone that loves you like Vin Diesel loves this franchise. He... <laughs> really moved heaven and earth or moved Vin and Diesel (laughs) to get Chronicles of Riddick made. He held himself hostage from the Fast and Furious movies to get get Chronicles of Riddick made. He put his own money into Chronicles of Riddick. He really, really wanted to get made. I understand this is also the true with, is it Triple X? Triple X, yes. Yeah. He also was the moving force behind that. And I've, I've listened to the How Did This Get Made about that movie. (laughs) <laughs> and um apparently it's not very good no <laughs> so, no so no, there may be not. sort of a thing we can learn about when B- when diesel has a passion project like not necessarily great but yeah let's let's put it this way again i, I think we're in agreement this is a good film yeah the chronicles of riddick is a different film and we will yeah, i don't want to okay we're not we'll gonna give spoil it that we'll, yeah we'll we'll get to that yes. before we move on Mm-hmm. Fun quotes. So they cast this with kind of like medium level actors. Twahi has a good quote about how he had three leads in the movie and all of them thought they were the lead, which I think is funny. I honestly think that speaks well to the plot because yeah. it's not clear when you watch this film who is the main character. That's one of the things yeah. that I think is interesting. Yeah. And I think this also the other thing that makes this movie kind of in my sweet spot is that like Event Horizon, it is swinging for the fences the entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Like. This is the like a little movie that could, right? Mm-hmm. It 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 is trying for something really big, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you kind of know everyone's just working for it. Like yeah. it didn't necessarily have to have this bigness, this bigness. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have the bigness. As I said, it didn't start out to be a franchise. It has turned into a franchise. Obviously, there are two or three sequels. There are two video games, mm-hmm. a possible TV show. Vin Diesel has mentioned, but. I think he mentions a lot of things. So, and <laughs> I confess, if they ever do a TV show, I know what TV show I would want to come out of the Riddick universe, the Riddick verse, as it were. Which is, oh, go ahead. Uh, tell me, what is it pulled so, from this? As we're going to discover, the, the, this movie series is obsessed with mercs. All right, mercenaries are always the bane of Riddick's existence. But one of the things that you will discover as we keep watching is there like this seems to be an economy that is largely based on mercenaries. Like there's it's a, a lot merc of based economy. Well, let me this way. I want to argue that capitalism is itself a merc based economy. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that <laughs> what I want to see is a merging of the Riddick universe and the John Wick universe. Like I want to know. I want to know, is there a continental hotel in in space, basically, like I think if they were going to do a television show, it would be it should be about the Mercs and what is the code among the Mercs. I would be legit fascinated uh, by. I it. would love to see more of Cole Hauser, who I think is in general underutilized in this world. Well, he's, yes, he's but I, you know, the, fun that, to look at. Oh yeah, yeah. well, he could make it, they get a prequel, Dan. That's fair. It's a prequel, which I think actually one of the video games is a prequel. I guess, although I'm not sure you could have Cole Hauser playing a, in a prequel 23 years after the release of the original film. I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) But I'm sure he's, I think he's on, he's on Yellowstone. He's still a fine looking man. No doubt. No doubt. All right. I also want to say the novelization is a little disappointing in that it gives Riddick a heroic backstory, which I think 
kind of ruins the character. He's a uh, had been a murderer. What do you call it? Convict. <laughs> I mean, that is what he is. That's what he is in the film, just to be clear. He's clearly a convict, clearly had killed people. They make him, in addition to a murderer, a whistleblower. The person he kills is like someone who deserved to die, whatever. Sure. I mean, but like, I mean, like in this film, I think- Less interesting character. At one point, he literally says, Richard B. Riddick escaped convict murderer, like when he introduces himself to one character. So, you know, like- Also a whistleblower. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's actually less interesting. And so I hope Vin Diesel does not- I don't want to see a prequel of Riddick. That would actually yeah. not be not be good. Yeah. yeah. Dan, it's time for Chekhov's What's It? The thing that appears in the first act that becomes relevant in the third or fourth act. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you got? I have Chekhov's uh, rank of captain, which I liked because, you know, Fry keeps getting called captain by some of the other characters. She's not keen on it. And then it kind of ends with her saying, I'm the captain now. This is so obvious. I feel bad mm-hmm. mentioning it, but it's Chekhov's blind spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I, it, it's just dumb. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of classic Chekhov's in a yeah. way. Like sometimes yeah, yeah. we have clever Chekhov's. Like Chekhov's title of captain is like a really good, clever kind of Chekhov's mm-hmm. whatever. He, literally, he finds a blind spot. And he it becomes uses it later. <laughs> this way though like yes it's an obvious one but on the other hand like you and i have both been frustrated at times when we've watched movies where you think they're setting up a chekhov's thing and then it's not used it's sort of weird when they don't do it there is a chekhov's thing in here that they don't use but i'm glad they don't use it and i will we will talk about it when it comes up okay well speaking of which why don't we get to the plot let's start with act one this is what happens when you fly spirit solar airways There are about 40-plus passengers and crew aboard the spaceship Hunter Gratzner, taking the cheap super-saver path across the stars. Unfortunately, a meteor shower tears through the ship, killing the captain instantly and knocking the ship towards a barely habitable planet. Docking pilot Carolyn Fry wants to jettison all the passengers in order to be able to right the ship, but First Officer Owens won't let her. Fry manages to crash land the ship with about a dozen survivors, but Owens, the real hero of this film... dies i'm not kidding about that by the way like she is the real hero he's the only one who actually acts nobly from beginning to end the others are all anti-heroes yes Yes, exactly yeah among the survivors are fry a law enforcement dude named johns john's prisoner riddick an imam and his three disciples a tween named jack and a few roguish travelers paris shaza and zeke all with anglosphere accents as they recover from the crash riddick escapes and parties are sent out to find them and to find water. They have little luck locating Riddick, as he is much better at tracking them than vice versa. As for water, the planet they've landed on is pretty parched, possibly because it's never dark in a solar system with three suns. They do find an abandoned geologist camp with a water well, a model of the solar system, and a jump ship. Things are looking up, but they also discover indications that they are not alone on the planet, as Zeke is killed while he's trying to bury some of the dead passengers. They capture Riddick again, but Fry discovers that Zeke's real killers are indigenous creatures that we'll call bioraptors. <laughs> that, ma- that makes me laugh. That is the official, like, canon term right, for that's them. Right. The, I would say that I got this from, like, the Riddick wiki, so I'm, I'm not making but, this like, up. Why, but, I don't know why it is so called them raptor, yeah, raptors, exactly. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I think the other thing is, like, if you actually say raptors, then it makes people think of something slightly different. So I'm fine with calling them. I, we could call them space raptors, which would be kind of cool. But... Anna, let's get something out of the way. How do I put this gently? The survivors of the Hunter Gratzner ain't too bright. Fry gives up too easily before the landing and then spills her secrets to Johns before really knowing him. They prioritize finding Riddick for no valid reason whatsoever. They drink alcohol even though they know it will dehydrate them. Zeke's trigger finger leads to the death of another survivor, someone from the tail section, because they originally think no one can survive that, and then someone does. Whoop, Zeke kills him. They send Fry, the one pilot, the one person you don't want to die, underground to find Zeke. No wonder Riddick is menacing. He's the smartest person on the planet. First of all, is it called Hunter Gratzner because it's Hunter Gatherer? It's Hunter Gratzner. It's legitimately you, but is it, is it a reference to like hunter-gatherers? Like oh, I have no else? idea. No, no, no. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Maybe not that interesting, okay. but it would show some thinking about certain <laughs> aspects of this movie that <laughs> I'm not sure that everyone thought through. Yeah. 
because that what you have brought up is another layer of what maybe wasn't thought through. Yeah. <laughs> this I mean, again, the comparison to Event Horizon is interesting in that like there are some things that they clearly gave a lot of thought to. Other things, not so much. And yeah, that's, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, it'd be funny that if they gave thought to Hunter Gatherer as a ship name, mm. I, I know as a reference, right. but then didn't, didn't think through the character, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. actions. I'm going to give them a pass on alcohol as an alcoholic, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes you can't resist. Also, in that situation, that'd be one of those that I'm sure some people, even who want to be like sober alcoholics, might be like, fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's we're going to die, yeah. you know. But between that and John's morphine addiction, this is another argument for AA in space. Mm-hmm. Right now. Definitely, yes. The death of the Tailey mm-hmm. bothers me a little bit, but it's also <laughs> sort of metal, you know? Like, it, it, <laughs> the movie just kills an innocent person and then moves on. It's just like, oops. <laughs> it's not just that, by the way. Like, you know, he kills him. And it's actually a laugh because, like, you know, Zeke kills him. He walks up. To, I love the way this was shot. Like, he walks yeah. up. You see him in close. And he's like, oh, God, I thought that was Riddick. Dang. And then the camera goes away. You see Riddick is, like, just sitting. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is like, one of the best shots That like, is a in great genre. shot. Yes. Like, yeah. it's a it great is shot. a beautiful shot. There are two shots in this movie that I was going to bring up in, de- yeah. in Debris Field. That That is one. And then the, the Breath breathing. of Fire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those were, no, those are great shots. Absolutely, like I, like I, you're right. Hall like, of Fame sci-fi movies yeah. in general. Yeah, like yeah. both of those are really good, mm-hmm. and and they're not ostentatious either. Like the guy knew they were good shots, but they're not like overly like lingered upon. Right? Or no, anything. no, no. It's 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 the appropriate amount of time. It wasn't like belabored. It was a pr- and like actually in the in the case of Riddick, it's like a almost, it's not quite blinking you'll miss it, but like it's not a long. It's not a long yeah. shot, but it, I, I remember laughing when I first saw it. So yeah. I, I do think it's it's within the movie's ethos just to have an innocent person die because a lot of innocent people die. True. Children. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Of children there are children who movie. die in this film. Again, um, I'm not a fan of kids. Still don't like it. Still don't like like the number of children that die in this movie. Good to know, Anna. This is this is a, yeah. <laughs> it has reached an unacceptable level of children dying for me. <laughs> we know my limit. It's three. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's three. So this is the Chekhov's what's it that doesn't go anywhere. It's I guess it's a I don't know who's not Chekhov. <laughs> A Sulu moment? I don't know. No, no, no. I, I know. Sulu moment. I, I, that's unfair, but yes, go ahead. I was going like Dostoevsky. I was going to yeah, go yeah, with like yeah, another yeah. Russian, but right. it is Riddick's breathy interrogation of Fry. Mm. Where he is like behind her and like breathing on her neck. Oh, it's like grabbing it's, like her hair or something. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's, oh, there's two scenes then. There's yeah, that yeah. scene. And then there is a scene where they're in the ship and he's like, you don't know John's as well as you think you do. And he's like behind oh, right. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not like kind of, that comes in the next act, but yes, that's Oh, right. well, yeah. sorry. Oh, that's okay. no, don't Spoiler worry alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll mention it here. Yeah, yeah. It has not aged well. It it's I think supposed to be some sexual tension. Oh. I think. I didn't no, I didn't interpret it that way, but let me I and I, I that's often the way that like I I think of like Cape Fear. Yeah. And, like I will say this, the first time he's like doing this, and this is, it's this scene where Fry and Johns are talking right. and Fry is fessing up what she did to Johns and Riddick is behind her, like reaching That's not sexual at all. Oh, really? See, that's think. interesting. See, okay, I that's... don't think that's sexual at all. Or it's, okay. it's only sexual in the sense that I think Riddick is like, you know, he's aroused, it's... but not even necessarily sexually aroused by violence. Like, I think- I think he was just I, yeah. What I like about that scene is that he mm-hmm. doesn't kill her because she mentions that she kills the passengers. That's correct. And it's the, yes. Her cruelty that intrigues yeah. him. Well, I don't know if it was his, her cruelty or her honesty. I think it could have been either, but I, I grant you that. Like the fact that, and again, by the way, again, props to Twahi because this is actually a legitimately interesting way to start a film, which is Fry really does seem like the protagonist of this film in the first half hour. And she does a ho- or she tries to do a horrible thing in the first like 15 minutes of the film. She's prevented from doing so, but we're judging her clearly. And she's also clearly judging herself, which is, you know, yeah. it, th- there's a nice slow build in terms of Fry's character about that, which I like. See, 
I think in general, one of the reasons I like the movie is that there isn't sexual tension, that there yeah, isn't yeah, a love yeah. triangle. And I think there is, I I actually believe that that scene where she and Johns are talking and Riddick is there, I don't th- see that. I see that as threatening and menacing, but not sexual. I see that as him okay. being interested in killing her, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's, inter- he because he doesn't put the knife to Johns's back. He puts the knife to her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. That's so, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's trying to kill Johns to get her. He's like yeah. going to kill her also, as the captain. What is also interesting is that there that is the only scene also where I get the sense that like Fry and Johns were actually flirting a little bit with each other. Yeah, and I don't even get that either. I mean, yeah, I like yeah. I said, I like that this movie doesn't have any romantic tension because I, yeah. I think in most of the time, if you were in such a situation, romance would be the last thing. No, it, it would. Yes, it would. Exactly. I agree. And then I want to say one more thing about this section, which is the ethics of grave digging. (laughs) Dan, we've established that I'm okay with people eating me should they need to if I die a natural death. Mm -hmm. You you object to that. Sorry. Yes. I'm curious how you feel about needing a grave because I'm like, you know what? Leave me if if there's if it's a dangerous planet where like very little water, hard work's going to dehydrate you. Leave me out to rot. All right, I so this is where again I'm going to take on the I'm going to go on the other side of this. Leave it this Weird, way. Weird, Dan. Well, so, I know I, people don't know how selfish you are. God damn it! <laughs> how dare I not want to be eaten and want my yeah. body to be buried? What, what, what am I thinking? with that, Dan? Okay, <laughs> let me leave it this way. I will say this in the in this scene when Zeke is digging, I didn't have a problem when he was doing it because we don't know yet about the creatures. The moment well, we know is that the planet, there's no water, and like he's working out basically. Yeah, but you know, and like, Riddick's alcohol, around right? somewhere, and they act are acting all scared of Riddick. Let me put it this way: the moment it became clear what what this planet is like, I would have been fine with them not burying the body. Okay, I'm with you on that. I'm just saying, as given the information they had at that moment, I'm kind of glad Zeke was trying to bury the bodies. Good for him. That's all I'm saying. All right, I guess. I mean, I get. I don't know. Like, I think. We'll move on, Dan. Okay. Uh, burying people is for the survivors, not for the dead people. <laughs> okay. That is what I'll point out. Like when people get buried, like when people don't want to leave a body behind in war mm-hmm. or whatever, why yeah. do they do that? They it's do that for the morale and the and and the yeah. spirit of the of the person whose comrades that was. They don't do it because the comrade was like, No, don't leave me behind if I die. You know. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, that's fair. All right, let's get to act two. Everyone is not who they seem. John strikes a bargain with Riddick, cutting him loose and promising that he'll be listed as killed in return for his assistance. Fry I still don't know quite how that would work, by the way, but okay. Leave this way. I didn't believe John's when he said this. Yeah. I don't think Riddick believed John's. Yeah. No one believed John. Yeah, you know, like that. That, okay. was, that was right. that was actually the first moment at which I was like, this guy is not who he seems he is. Right. Right. Anyway, Fry calculates that they can escape the planet via the dropship if they transfer power cells from the Hunter Gratzner. Johns tells her to wait until the last minute because otherwise Riddick might waste everyone as he is also a pilot. Riddick, in turn, tells Fry that Johns is not who he seems. And this is the conversation you were talking about. This turns out to be true as Johns is not, in fact, a real cop, but a mercenary, a bounty hunter. He's also such a serious morphine addict that he cashed the ship's supply rather than spare any for Owens in the last moments of his life. True dick move. Meanwhile, here's what I'll say. Do waste some morphine on me. Okay, good. <laughs> I, all right. I would hope so. Anna, I would give you morphine. That's all I'm saying. All like, right. that, if I'm stuff. dying, yeah. please waste some morphine on me. Like, you I, you can eat me afterwards. Maybe get a little contact high. But <laughs> Ah, some good morphine flavored roasted Anna. Yeah, I'm going to go this. Okay. <laughs> all right. Meanwhile, the Amman's disciples explore the geologist's camp, and in the coring room, they discover more bioraptors who kill one of the boys. The creatures avoid light, so that seems to provide some respite from them. The thing is, Fry deduces that every 22 years, a full triple eclipse occurs, rendering the planet dark. And guess what's about to happen, Anna? Riddick intuits that the geologist must have been killed during the last eclipse. Just as they realize these things, the sky makes it clear that another eclipse is imminent. Anna, what are your thoughts about the way the film treats addiction in space? I don't think it treats it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. It acknowledges I mean, it. it's a thing. I, I, yeah, it acknowledges it's a thing. I, and, you know, regular listeners may know, as I mentioned before, I'm very interested in how science fiction treats addiction. But this is just like addiction exists, mm-hmm. you know, which 
John seems very unembarrassed about it, I would add, by the way. Like he's Yeah, so maybe drugs are legal, which I mean I'd hope that is somewhat enlightened future that that is true. Yeah. And he seems also very functional. Although I wonder if he he must know something about opiate addiction. Like not personally or anything, just I'm mm-hmm. saying that someone somewhere knows what opiates, what sound what it come like, down. Like oh, okay. what it, no, not it would come down, but there's a scene where he's just shot up. Yeah. And his movement and his voice and like his demeanor are perfect. Oh, wow. Okay. What I have seen, unfortunately, in my life from someone who's just gotten high. It's a very kind of specific thing. So props to you, Cole Hauser, <laughs> from personal experience. Well done, Cole Hauser. All right. Oh, uh, the other thing is, do you want to talk about the the fact that children are dying during this section uh, of the film? Just enough. Just enough okay. kids die. Just okay. perfect amount. There we go. All right. Let's get to act three. <laughs> Bioraptors run wild. Everyone hops on a solar-powered cat, and they drive to the crashed ship. They grab the power cells, but just as they're about to return, the triple eclipse starts, rendering the cat inert. The bioraptors run wild, killing Shaza and forcing everyone else into the cargo hold, where one bioraptor gets in and kills another of the imam's disciples. Child. Child, yes. Sorry. I'm going with disciple here, but by the way, also a little weird. Can we talk about this question of why is the imam having three boys, only three boys. Although there, there were probably others like in his group, actually, to be fair. So it might've just been who survived. It's like, I, I guess, I mean, like it's a field trip. Yeah. I don't know. Like, sure. I, I, no, I, they're going to New Mecca. Like that. that yeah, that's, going, what, yeah. That, that's what I mean. It, but yeah. I was like, he's a teacher and he's like, oh, that's right. the kids. Cause he's talking about going on Hodge. He actually says Hodge. Yeah. Very yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Okay. I do want to say about not explaining things though, which is I mostly really respect the movie, not explaining things. I think mm-hmm. that it's one of the things that makes it so economical and good and has yeah. some stuff in, in common with the alien. You're just like right. dropped into this world. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think the lack of exposition is actually mostly good. Like the, it gives it gives us just enough exposition we need to know what's going yeah. on. But like I, I do like us, and also we sort of learn things or how things in this world go just as the the characters do, which is great. I do wonder how why they didn't use the power cells on the cat because the cat was solar powered, right? But no, shouldn't yeah, yeah. you be able to like? No, no, no. no. I think because remember, like Shaza has this line like. We can't use this cat once it gets dark. That cat's oh, stolen. All right. All so right. I, I think you need like a, a different kind of power node. Right. Anyway, Fry it all learned that the bioraptor. So it would have fixed everything if that. I, I know. God. That's true. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fry it all learned that the bioraptors don't just avoid light, they are actively harmed by it. After a lot of shouting at each other, Fry decides that the plan is to scrape together all of the ship's sources of light use them to surround the power cells and walk as a group back to the jump ship led by Riddick, who can see in the dark because of his surgically altered eyes. The plan works out poorly. Paris panics and runs away from the group, killing himself and all the electric sources of light in the process. They hit a boneyard cannon and Riddick doesn't want to go on because he thinks the bioraptors are locked in on blood. And it turns out that they are locked in on Jack, who is a girl and menstruating. Fry wants to turn back upon learning this news, but Johns then spills Carolyn's tea about wanting to eject all the passengers at the beginning of the film, shaming her into continuing. As they go forward, Johns walks ahead to Riddick and proposes that they kill Jack and use her as chum to draw away the bioraptors. Riddick decides that they need bigger chum and fights Johns instead, slashing his chest and letting the bioraptors do the rest of the work. Anna, I'm pretty sure that the first time I watched this film, I was legit surprised by the Jack reveal. Were you? And they do, a, by the way, they do a smart job, I think, of like, the characters refer to Jack as a he from the get-go. And so, like, I think that was the other thing that, that yeah. put me to sleep on that one. Yeah, I think they're surprised, right? So yeah. I, I I was surprised. And I also want to talk about a couple of things about this section. Sticking with Jack, mm-hmm. menstruation in space or in sci-fi is just as interesting to me as having AA in space. And it <laughs> it kind okay. of goes along with the, isn't it interesting? There's still someone wearing glasses, given like presumably all the medical advances that have been made. Apparently haven't invented a way to cure addiction. And also women are still menstruating for some reason, which mm. is... I don't know if you're aware, Dan, but it's kind of an optional thing. You can suppress, if you don't want to get pregnant, 
you mm-hmm. can suppress your period indefinitely. I did not know that. Yeah, it's 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 okay. fine. Like I did it for years and years and years and years. Sorry to like, well, no one should be embarrassed by time at periods. I yeah. had to stop because I'm 50 and my doctor wants to know if I'm going to go through menopause. <laughs> I got to side with your doctor. That's a good play by the doctor there. The so I had to, to stop have to start menstruating again so I can stop menstruating. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, I think you're you have a fair you raise a fair point, but I am going to sort of push back on the following it's way. It's an annoying thing. Look, every, there's not a woman in the world that, that like thinks it's great, yeah. right? It's super annoying. If science is going to solve annoying things about being human, that would be on the top of the woman's list, I think. Or anyone mm-hmm. anyone with a uterus, anyone who, anyone who has to get a period mm-hmm. probably would prefer not to and would put resources towards the inventions that would stop it. <laughs> Let me put it this way. In this universe, in the Riddick verse, it would not surprise me at all if these things existed, but I'm going to remind you, these are the poor people of this verse. They're flying space spirit airlines. This is a crappy airline. I would not, in other words, and I think the technology you're talking about might very well be available. I'm just not sure the people can afford it. See, the thing is, Dan, the technology is available now. Ah, fair enough. It's just not widely utilized, but I encourage any woman that's out there, go to, go to clinic, whatever. Who doesn't want to conceive, to be clear. Who doesn't want to conceive. If you don't want to conceive, if you're, if you're getting your period for no good reason at all, Mm. you can, you can take your pills. You can have the, you know, uh, sometimes some IUDs will stop your period. The technology exists, Dan. It's good to know. Super annoying. Anyway. I don't don't want to be, yeah, I was saying we should move on. We should move on. (laughs) I would like to talk about Vin Diesel as well. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> this yes. section. Yes. I think this is where we see the work that he's done as an actor really pay off is in this section mm-hmm. where you really don't know what way he's going. Like, right. There is just enough ambiguity to be mm-hmm. like, well, he could do something okay. Like when he kills John's, my read on killing John's wasn't just for Chum. Like my read on him was that he realizes John's actually one of the most you know dangerous people there besides yeah. himself. Oh, like, like I, I also think like you know John's captured him. I totally get that Riddick would want to kill him for just personal. And also, he's dangerous to yeah. everyone. Like John's yeah. would John's would kill all of the passengers. The fact, the very he's, fact that he's suggesting, hey, let's kill this kid to child. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. kill like, another child. That is a sign that maybe he's not on the up and up. So yeah, absolutely. No, 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 that's true. It is interesting to me, as you say, if it's true Vin Diesel only wants to play good guys, I'm intrigued by that because what Diesel does well in this performance mm-hmm. is make it clear he could totally be a bad guy. Like that's mm-hmm. why the Riddick character works. Like, yes, he winds up doing to some extent the right thing. But the whole point of the the first oh, I, and I movie, believe it. I guess we won't yeah. give away the twist, but like I believe his character, everything that he does, every yeah. choice that Riddick makes, I believe it. Right, all and right. the key thing Speaking is that some of those choices. Nope. Some of those choices are bad. Is all I'm going to say. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's Moving get on. To, We're the last act. Woo-hoo. Last act. Fry is the captain now. Riddick grabs all the power cells, and the remaining folks run with their alcohol torches. But then, <laughs> don't you know, it starts to rain. Riddick has everyone hide in a cave while he takes the power cells to the jump ship. It's like rain <laughs> on your escape day. <laughs> Isn't it ironic, Anna? I should have sung that. While in the cave, Fry, the Imam, and Jack discover that there are sort of fluorescent glowworms or fluorescent slugs in the cave and bottle them up to create an organic halogen lamp. Fry uses it to get to the compound just as Riddick was clearly about to leave by himself with the jump ship. I want to be very clear about this. Absent Fry showing up, Riddick was totally going to abandon them, which consistent with Riddick's character. No problem with that. Not saying I prove it. I'm just saying like that is within character. Fry insists they return to rescue the Imam and Jack, but Riddick proposes that they just leave. Fry's moment of truth arrives and she tells Riddick that she's willing to risk her life to save them. Riddick, impressed, agrees to help. They get the Imam and Jack from the cave, but Riddick gets separated from the rest of them on their way back to the jump ship. Now it's the Imam's turn to suggest that they leave someone behind, but Fry hears Riddick scream and goes to get him. As she tries to carry him back to the ship, a bioraptor spears her and takes her into the night. Riddick makes it back to the ship, and after one last fake out where he roasts some more bioraptors, they head out into space. 
Anna, in this last section, there's actually a pretty interesting conversation between the Imam and Riddick about their belief in God, or at least I thought it was interesting. Did you? I did. And for those that need to be reminded, it is when uh, the Imam is like, assumes that Riddick must not believe in God. And Mm -hmm. Riddick says, oh, no, I believe him. I just hate the motherfucker. Yeah, it's a great line. (laughs) It is. And it does remind me Mm -hmm. of how Satanists are technically Christians, too. Mm-hmm. They've just chosen another team, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, it's something whenever Christians talk about Satanists, uh, Satanists as like being non-Christian, I'm like, no, they they totally are with you. They're definitely not <laughs> pagan. That's the key thing. They're not they're, pagans. They're not yeah. pagan. Like, yeah. They're not atheists. Yeah. They believe in the God that you believe in. They, they just, just interpret them a little differently. Yes. Oh no, they've just chosen the other side. They're like yeah. the other team, same sport. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Other thing I want to say is that Fry tells Riddick, I said I would go get more light and go back for them. They right. do not get more light. They do not go back to them with more light. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's not, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's a continuity error, I think, mm-hmm. personally. It does make it more exciting, I guess, on the way back. But mm-hmm. And then last thing is I think in a movie with mostly pretty restrained performances... Mm-hmm. Fry kind of breaking down at the end is a little much for me. I kind of wish that had been underplayed just a bit. Oh, I don't know about this. Like that's the one area where I guess that's the one moment where, you know, she needs to have that epiphany. I mean, like in some ways this is a, this, this is a slow build for her. I agree. No, she needs to have the epiphany. She does that. Yeah. I just think it, a slightly more I mean it makes sense it's me it's me it's me and it's also me she her voice goes up a register um, like it's very feminine kind of like feeling to me and right I, 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 I a male character which by the way this is one thing that this movie has in common with with alien is that the mm-hmm. in the original movie or the original script for this the convict was female really <laughs> and fry was male yeah. Oh my, that's that would have been much more. That would have been a different movie, I guess. Would be the way. Would have been a very different movie, yeah. and also I don't think you would have a captain if it was a male captain that changes his mind about whether or not to leave people behind. I don't think you would have seen that specific kind of breakdown. You're possibly correct. The only thing I will add, though, is that it's not just that Fry cries; she also attacks Riddick, which is like the one oh, thing you're not expecting fine. her to do. Yeah. Right. But I, I, and, I guess what I'm trying to say is that. Fine. Yeah. What, what what I'm trying to say is that like I I understand your concern that is a, in for lack of a better putting it a traditional feminine reaction at that moment. But I think the fact that she also attacks Riddick physically is the way in which I like this was right. until you brought it up. I hadn't really thought about the crying all that much. It was like I was touched by it. And it I don't it is actually kind it. of a small thing. It's me, yeah. perhaps. If I, I would have liked the movie even more if that mm. was slightly underplayed, if that wasn't done quite as you know hysterically you know, as it is. But, I guess. I also want right. to add, by the way, that I was legit surprised. I always remain legit surprised when Fry gets taken by the, the Bioraptors because it's like literally five minutes before the movie ends. It's a great scene. It's surprising. And also the way it's shot, you you know that something has happened, but you don't know if it's Riddick or Fry who has gotten, you know, impaled. And so, uh, yeah. again, that's well done by Twahi. It's, a, it's an effective shot. Well, Dan, I have a question. Oh, now that yes, we discussed please. the whole plot. I have a question. Please, Anna, fire away. Is there IR in this movie? Anna, I don't know what's going to happen when the lights go out. But I do know that when the dying starts, the IR comes out to play. <laughs> and in this film, that IR is just some straight up testing of human nature realism. This film is really a meditation, I think, on whether human beings, when faced with an acute external threat, are willing to turn on each other in order to survive. We see Fry attempting to do this in the film's opening minutes, trying to jettison all the passengers so that she can survive. There's an uneasy truce for the rest of the first half of this film, but we also learn that what we thought was a hierarchy is a lie. Fry is not the captain. Johns is not law enforcement. When the skies go dark and the creatures come out, there's a lot of people who seem to defect. You know, Paris running... John's proposing to kill Jack, Riddick planning to leave everyone else behind. It takes Fry facing and transcending her fears and shame to suggest that humanity is about more than survival. Everyone else 
it's literally just you know the question of survival of the fittest and by the way in a way this is interesting to me because like there's a way in which you could think this is like a zombie film in that you know the creatures of the zombies but it's actually an anti-zombie film because one of the interesting choices Twahi makes is that the bioraptors attack each other they're the opposite of zombies zombies never attack each other that's always the point that Romero and others always like to say is like you know at least they don't don't turn on each other these bioraptors like clearly do eat each other and like Riddick sees that and like others see it at, at various times and the whole point is that ideally the human survivors do not. So, you know, yeah. I was going to say, ideally they do not. I mean, there are right. there are two deaths at the hands of the survivors. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Actually, but I understand your point. Yeah. But my point is, is that the let like, wait, the lesson of the film is that you're not supposed to do that. And yeah, that, I, have, you know. I, I have, yeah. I have things to say about that. Oh, actually. okay. Oh, is yeah. that, does that lead to a question that I should ask you, Anna? Yes, please. Dan. Oh, is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, there has to be some part of you that wants to rejoin the human race. <laughs> and if you follow the logic of this movie, that means you need to resist or reject capitalism. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Johns is ultimately a bad guy. I would say one of the bad He turns out to be kind of the worst among them. Oh, he's the worst, yes, by far. Yeah. yeah. His role is explicitly spelled out in a DVD extra, actually, from his personal log. <laughs> is this written or is it, is it actually like Cole Hauser speaking? I'm curious. It's Cole Hauser speaking. Oh, nice. Okay. It, I don't think it would have added much to the film because we yeah. like the lack of exposition. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and particularly this part. Mm-hmm. Might have made me angry were it in the film. Okay. Because <laughs> it's just too much. It's just too much. Sometimes you got to get a little dirty to catch a killer. The law honors commerce more than justice. Oh, this bullshit. If you bullshit. want commerce in the universe, <laughs> laws must be obeyed and enforced. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Did I write that? No, I did not, Dan. <laughs> First of all, like, all right, that the first line, sometimes you got a little dirty. Fine. I could see John saying that. There is no way Johns would have ever said the law honors commerce more than justice. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, Cole Hauser reads it, but it, it doesn't right, sound like but, John's. But that does not sound like John's. I just want to go, you know, yeah. Okay. I also will point out extractive capitalism leads to the death of the colonists, right? Well, I mean, they're mining. They're taking. They're taking. Stuff well, no, no, no. But they're geologists. Like the impression I got was that they were All scientists right. at the thing. I'm not. I'm going to push back on that. They they were clearly scientists. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going. Right. I'm going to just stick with my symbolism here. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, echoing one of your points, when uh. all other resources are depleted, we have to choose between solidarity and turning on each other mm-hmm. or being out for yourself. And that is the choice that Fry gives Riddick at the end. He she gives him a chance to rejoin the human race. Right. The choice is to turn on each other like the bioraptors do. Right. Or help each other. Mm-hmm. Humans don't necessarily choose solidarity. Mm-hmm. It, it, is not, it is not a human thing to choose solidarity. It is choosing solidarity that makes us human. Hmm. And also, again, it, let me put it this way. As we will see throughout the course of these films, Riddick doesn't get persuaded to do a lot of stuff. And this is a rare case where Riddick is persuaded, that he's actually moved by the fact that Fry says she would be willing to lay down her life. And I think like that's a rare moment where Riddick is like, okay, all right. In that moment, they both become human, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Tubin throat singing. (laughs) It's discordant notes, Dan. This is the, when we take questions from the discord, if they're good enough and you pick them out. I and did. what do you have? We have two questions. One comes from Benjamin A., which is, how much work does the reader slash viewer need to do in order to explain why the big bads can survive on a planet that seems inhospitable to them? And my answer to that, I think in some ways you sort of have also said this, Anna, which is the film doesn't have a ton of exposition and and good because like if they had exposition, it would have to try to explain this. And the truth is, there's no explanation. There is no way these creatures should actually be able to survive on a planet where they only emerge like once every 22 years. That that like, there's just no. Well, way. I mean, there are creatures that do that, but but they don't look like these. They creatures. they don't they don't look like these, and they don't. There's stuff for them to eat. The point right. being, <laughs> right. The other way, the the, the part of this is that's that you can't get over is not that they 
hibernate for 22 years. It's that there's nothing for them. Right. Exactly. Like, like that was, this is the problem. Like it wasn't just that they were, it, you know, in hibernation for 22 years. It's that it, it's a pretty desolate landscape. If it was a verdant landscape, if there was lots of animal and plant life, yeah, totally can buy the 22 years thing. Not in the planet as we have seen it. So no, that yeah. is a problem. The only thing I can come up with if I'm if I'm working for the movie here yeah. is that it, this is a dying planet that like yeah. there had been that that the the that's possible yeah ca- the bioraptors are capitalism Dan <laughs> I was actually shocked you didn't say that by the way yeah I I was gonna go there but okay. I the bio in some ways actually what turning on each other is what makes you inhuman bioraptors right. mm-hmm. are capitalism and they've destroyed that's at the extract of capitalism going on. Mm-hmm on the planet is what the bioraptors do. Any Fair other enough. questions? Yes, we have one other question from Dan Brennan, which is Keith David is in this film. He plays the imam. And how do we rank Keith David performances in this film, The Thing, and They Live? I think I, he's best in The Thing. I agree, yes. And second would be They Live. I actually don't think, he, yeah. I mean, he's fine in this. It's not that he's bad in this. This isn't actually an, kind of an unusual Keith David performance i think and and that you know you don't normally see him play this role but and we'll talk about this when we get to the chronicles of riddick part of it is that i'm not a huge fan of the character so spoiler alert keith david will come back for the chronicles of riddick Um, i i he's not given a ton to do i mean he's keith he's keith david he's 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 awesome yeah he's always awesome. and he is as a someone he's an actor that you want to watch no matter what he's doing Mm -hmm. he's just not on screen much i think what little he's given he does a fair amount with yeah yeah and i I did like that scene his grief feels very real and also his his both his grief and his faith both feel real yes and his sense so. of paternalism around around the children who die. But yes, it's, you know, that's that's totally fair. Okay. Oh, wait, what's that? Oh, oh no. I think the ship's about to crash. Oh my god. It's the things that spread out behind the crashed ship. It's causing the SS space the nation to crash, yes. Yes. So this is where we address stuff we didn't already address. I have a few things, Dan. Do you want to go first? Sure, I have a few things as well. You know, this is a low, it's not a low, low budget film, but it's a low budget film. The FX are, are, I don't think, great, but I did like the shot of the, like, the planet that's coming up that's going to, you know, that's going to lead to the eclipse. You know, it's like with with the the sort of Saturn-like planet as it's rising. I'm not sure astronomically if that was possible, but it was a great shot. I think David Twahey is sort of a a weird mist opportunity in the world of, of of Hollywood. I I remember seeing this and then also he did a movie after this that I also like very much below. Have you seen that? Is that it's so a like submarine a horror movie. movie, right? Like so yeah. It's a submarine uh, horror movie. Right. It almost qualifies for us, I think. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. It's a little bit like pitch black and it's very simple. It has a couple of good twists and appropriately claustrophobic. So Below has some great actors in it, including Zach Galifianakis, who's just a in minor a role. role. Not dramatic, but oh, okay. All right. still very early role for him. Yeah, it's unusual. And I remember seeing this and then seeing that and thinking, oh, this is going to be a director to keep your eye on. This is going to be a guy that, one of those guys that makes a leap, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't he think he not. really does. No, and I, nope. well, We'll 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 see this when we discuss the Chronicles of Riddick on. You keep on there. You're really building up the anticipation for Chronicles yep. of Riddick there. Dan. Yep, yep, <laughs> I know. Well, that, that was I'm not kidding when I say that film is very different from this one. So I'm kind of I'm legit curious your reaction to it. Yeah. So I just I still kind of look for his name when I see his name, which is not mm-hmm. very often. But when I've seen his name on stuff, I've been like, oh, maybe that's going to be good. But no, like mm-hmm. like uh, the other Paul Anderson, he's somebody that I feel like when his name is Paul on w. something Anderson, like, right, like yeah. well, like Event Horizon, I'm like, right. huh, you know, there might be something there might mm-hmm. be something worth watching there. Yeah. There are a few kind of B movie directors who have that kind of right. mojo, mm-hmm. but uh, he is not one of them. One thing that we didn't talk about that the film does well is Jack's sort of adoration of Riddick. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he gets the goggle, like Riddick so has famously has goggles, you know, to see during normal light because otherwise he can see in the dark. Jack winds up getting goggles as well. He's clearly trying to act a little like Riddick and it's not overdone. It was just the right amount of done. And it totally makes sense that an impressionable 12 year old would, would behave that way given who Riddick is. So I just, I, 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 it was a nice little touch in this film. 
I want to give a shout out to the art dealer role, who also is capitalism. <laughs> Paris P. Ogilvy, I think, is his name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, well acted, well played. Uh, you know, sometimes you know who's going to die, and it's kind of like, all right, you're setting this person up to die. Yeah. There's a little bit of that here, but yeah. not totally. Like, it's it's like he's not quite a red shirt, and he is given a character, right? Like, that is a full character. Who has some great lines? And, I would add, and yo, is believable. Everything he does is believable, including running yes. away. He also has the best last line. His last line oh, in yes. the film is, "I was supposed to die in France." Yes, I, I, and I, it, and I, that great final and image the great shot too. of like the final image where he blows the 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 alcohol. You see all, the, yeah, no, that was a gr- again the other great shot in this film. Wonderful, yeah. Okay, Anna, you know how you like space typing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm beginning to realize. No, no, no. So, like, I, I understand. Like, you like, like, is there good space typing, bad space typing? I think I realize now that the parallel thing that I like is space computer announcements and how believable they are. Oh my god, I have that on here too. <laughs> I, have, I think, I think the one. We, we, I wonder which one you have because I have one. What on I here. have, the one I have is rate of descent beyond known limits. <laughs> Dan, look, look. <laughs> Oh yes, yes, yes! I love it. No, I, I laughed out loud. Yeah. It is like a, it's like the self destruct announcement. Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, like, you get space typing. I want weird space computer announcements. I, I, and that was just like, who, who would say that? Who would program a computer to say that? <laughs> that's, it, that's so weird. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. Okay. There is some good writing in this. I, there's some good one-liners sprinkled throughout. Like we've said them, but like when we use our one-liners uh, in our script, uh, mm-hmm. I had a, you know a multiplicity you a to choose right. from. This is, that's a long time for something to go wrong, which <laughs> captures a certain you know something about our podcast. Yeah. I think yeah. also, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you finally found something worse than me. Mm-hmm. Got the once the dying starts. I used that. Yeah. What is so goddamn valuable in your life that you're worried about losing? Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, you know, Twahi ha- has some chops. My favorite is when uh, Fry is like finally loses it towards John's and calls him 79 pounds of gutless white meat. Yes. That kilos. Oh, 79 kilos? Was 79 kilos? Okay. That, you're right. Because it's a metric. 79 pounds would not, would not be very much. 79 <laughs> kilos of gutless white meat. I kept thinking, ooh, you know what? I wonder if there's going to be a sale at the supermarket for gutless white meat. <laughs> gutless white meat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you anything else? The last thing I have, and this isn't even really about the film, but like I, of course, like, you know, read the Wikipedia plot description. Apparently, the model of the solar system, the word to describe that kind of thing is orrery which I love. Oh, yeah. Yes. O-R-R-E-R-Y. So, you know. I actually, it's a, that's a crossword word. Yes. Or it's a Shakespearean one. Because I think there's like an orrery of errors, I think is a a Shakespearean line. That pops up in in crosswords. Yeah. I I will just end by saying, Vin Diesel's great. He is, Mm -hmm. he gets, this is the movie that made him. He totally deserve it. He's hilarious. Like, He gives incredible line reads. Mm-hmm. He, his presence is undeniable. And I, this is Vin Diesel at his best. Vin Diesel before he became Vin Diesel. Yeah, it's I was going to say, so like best. one thing I was going to propose for these three films is the the sort of scale of one to 10 of the Vin Diesel sort of deep, you know, profound yelling. And it's a zero in this film. He doesn't yeah. do it at all. He's going to do it a little bit soon, Anna. Just to just to let yeah. you know, there's no yelling. There's there's no pretense to being a good guy. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no. It's just it's completely well done. Yep. And I understand. I believe this is also. I kind of remember again, like he was an indie actor, and I sort of remember like a kind of buzz about him about he's going to be a great like he's going to be a good actor. You know, yeah, yeah, a yeah. good actor, and yeah. he is, but that's not what he's known for, right? <laughs> no, he's like, he's great in Saving Private Ryan. He's great in this. I think yeah. he's actually, he's, we'll, we'll evaluate his performances in the next two films. But I well, think we, have, we have a lot to talk about. We do. Yes, clearly we do. <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot to talk about, clearly. So Dan, what might folks want to do? Keep this channel open for more.